determined dude. He, he is not going to be swayed. Jesus, Paul was determined. He was determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ. It is so easy to get, get distracted onto other things. Because you know what? There are a lot of truths out there. Jesus Christ is, is the answer, but he's not the only answer out there that's a true answer. He's the only answer about salvation that's true. But when we start talking about the gospel, when we start talking about the church, when we start talking about what we believe, we have all sorts of other things that we believe in. We can bring them in as important criteria, and it waters down the message, and it distracts the message, and it gets us thinking about, well, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe this, and there are important things to believe, I can start naming some, but I don't want to distract from the gospel, right? Uh, he he said, I was determined to know nothing about you, nothing before you, but Jesus and him crucified. He, this is, when I, the title of this message, the old, old story, this is the old, old story, and it does not change, right? This story is not subject to revision. This story is not updated with culture. It does not uh, uh, change to be pleasing to the audience. It is the old, old story. How do you get to heaven? The answer is Jesus. Why do you get to heaven? The answer is Jesus. Who is worthy of our praise? The answer is Jesus, right? If, if, you, if you want to get discouraged sometime, ask Christians why they're going to heaven. Because <laughs> so often, they give you bad answers. Well, why are they giving you... And I'm not saying these people aren't really Christians, they're really saved. I believe they really are. But their, mind, their thinking has been distracted by so many things that they start qualifying salvation with so many things. And there's only one answer. Jesus. Yeah, amen. <laughs> it's Jesus. You know, this is Black History Month in school. We're asked, talking about black churches versus white churches. And the reason, one of the differences is white churches are boring. Because <laughs> we don't say amen. <laughs> or Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Except this, brat, this white preacher, this white boy preacher loses his focus so bad. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I lost my notes. <laughs> the answer is easy because it's Jesus, but a discouraging number of believers will start talking about prayer. They'll start talking about going to church. They'll start talking about uh, being good and generally rambling trying to make sure they hit all the shotgun approach answers that might you know, play in. And part of that is wanting to please the guy who's asking because you know, I will get up here and I will talk about tithing and I will talk about believing the Bible and I will talk about um, you know, all sorts of things. But those are not what bring you to salvation. Those are things Christians do, but they're not things that make Christians. Right? And we never want to get distracted on that. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. All things in him and for him. Right? It's just that easy. And people get distracted and they move away from the main focus. And if you want to be, if you want to share the gospel, keep the message simple, be clear. The answer is Jesus. That is where salvation is. And not only that, it is Jesus crucified. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That very issue that was the stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, he says, I was determined to know that among you. I was determined to do nothing about that. He's already said to the Jews it's foolishness, or a stumbling block to the Gentiles it's foolishness, but that's the message he preached to them, and among them people got saved. You don't change the message because people don't want to hear it. It's still the message. 
It's like <laughs> people, people want a better alternative to gas, so do you change the message? Oh, well, just pour water in your tank. <laughs> you know, it's still going to take gas to make your car run. You don't change it because it, somebody doesn't like the answer. Uh, Jesus Christ is the answer, and, and in heaven, those gathered around the throne will one day cry out, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And it is Christ and Christ crucified. It is not some randomly picked person out of the crowd named Jesus, and he's the one we have to believe in. And when I say that, I mean, at that time, it was kind of like going down to Mexico and running, looking for Jesus. Right? You're gonna, if you look for Jesus, you're going to find Jesus. That, he's not the one. He's not some randomly picked guy with some random name. Jesus, there were lots of Jesuses running around. It was a common name. It wasn't the most common, but it was a common name when Jesus was there. There was one Jesus, though, that saves. Why? Because God chose him randomly, arbitrarily? No, because that one Jesus is the one who paid the price for our sins on the cross and shed his blood for our salvation, and he is the Savior. And it is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He earned the right to save us. He paid the price of our salvation. And if you want to share the gospel, you must point out Jesus Christ and him crucified. We cannot leave that out. Or we will have an ineffective and anemic gospel. Okay, that's so we have. Number one, don't try to impress with yourself. Two, focus on Jesus. We move on to three, don't be stopped by fear. Wow, that might be the most important point today. Don't be stopped by fear. Listen to Paul. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul preached the gospel in fear. You go, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> Don't you know who Paul was? Don't you know what Paul did? You go to 2 Corinthians and he lists all the things he went through. He talks about shipwrecks. He talks about beatings. He talks about being left for dead. He talks about being put in prison. He, I forget which book it is. He mentions fighting with animals in Ephesus. You know, Paul wasn't afraid of preaching. Paul says he was. He says, I was with you in, in weakness and in fear, and in much trembling. I'll give you a trick. The trick is not to feel no fear. This may sound really hypocritical. The trick is to show no fear. Don't show the fear you feel. Why do I know that? <laughs> I had someone come up to me once, another preacher, he says, you're not afraid ever to preach. I'm going, you are you stupid? <laughs> you know, it's like, are you kidding? But, but what trick have I learned? You don't show it. And you may say, well, that sounds like a real hypocrite thing to do. Well, I, do, I don't know, but, but if I show it, I'm going to stop. You, you, you don't do that. I, 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 don't think, I don't think Paul's trembling. I don't think the fear he had showed. I think for these Corinthians, when they first read this letter, I think this was news to them. And they're going, Really? You were afraid. You didn't sound afraid. You didn't look afraid. But he says, I was with you in fear and in weakness and in trembling. And, and, but, but he was still sharing the message. And he was still preaching. And he didn't stop because he was afraid. I'll, I'll just tell you right now that the, the days I'm fearful when I come up. and because There are days when I'm fearful and I'm preaching Trinity too. You may go, no, Steve. <laughs> I've never seen it. When I preach on creation, 
And you may go, well, Steve, and, and I'm going to say 90% of you, 80% of you, I don't know, agree with creation right off the bat. And you go, well, of course you would. Mm, at least 10 to 20 that are not going to like it. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm always a little bit fearful because I've, I've, I won't say I've paid a price, but, but I've gotten negative feedback. When I preach on hell, I'll tell you what, I preach on hell because the Bible teaches hell. I don't preach on hell because I'm mean. I don't preach on hell because I want to see people go there. But I preach on hell because I believe it's true. But I have gotten a lot of flack when I preach on hell. And, and you may say, but Steve, I thought you were beyond those things. No, I'm not. I'm not. And, and when I say that, what I'm saying is, I understand that you're not either. You will feel fear. And when you preach the gospel, that is, that is the ultimate thing. I mean, it's like, it's like the groom. He wants to get married. He thinks you're a babe, ladies. So, <laughs> uh, He wants to get married. He loves you. He wants to spend the rest of his life with you. But on, but on that wedding day, <laughs> he is scared. Because, oh no, because this is a pivotal moment that the rest of his life hinges on. Right? And even though he knows it's something he wants to do, he is afraid to do it. Because it is, it is life-changing. Well, you know, when you share the gospel... It is a pivotal moment in history. And, and here's, the, here's the fear I always have, is that they may be turned off forever. Right? They may be turned off forever, and, and this is not the right time. And, and the thing is, is, that's in God's hands. That's part of the next point, actually. Leave the results to him. Our job is to put it out there. Our job is to sow the seed. Uh, we, we can't affect that. But it's, it is scary. It is scary to, to preach the gospel. Uh, you want to know where it's not scary to preach the gospel? The Trinity Bible Fellowship. Because, because, again, most of us are saved. If you're here and you're not saved, there are a whole bunch of people praying for you right now. Feel the pressure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should be saying... No, don't run. <laughs> but it's not scary here. It's easy here. The, the cr Christians soak up the gospel like it's candy. Right? I love to hear the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Well, why do they want to hear it? They just like it. We like it. We like to hear the gospel. And so we want to hear it because we like it. We don't need it. We're saved already, but we like it. And, 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 and you come in and we're like a bunch of vultures. <laughs> right? we're, we're, we're praying vultures. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but when you're preaching the gospel... <laughs> but I will, I will tell you this I've also preached the gospel in places where I felt like I was in a, facing a hostile audience and it's hard to preach the gospel there the, the, where they actually need it it's hard when you share the gospel with someone who needs the gospel, it's hard. Why is it hard? I don't know. It just is. 
Uh, it, it's, it's fearful. It's a, it's a fearful thing. You feel weak. But what do you do? What, what Paul says, he says, uh, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. He says, he says I was in fear, I was in trembling, I was in weakness, but he still gave the message and he still preached. Right? He didn't stop to that. Now, and this isn't a, a, a written for preachers, by the way. It's written for Christians. Right? Uh, he's not making that kind of a distinction. It, it's, uh, it's just an FYI. Paul was afraid, and you will be afraid. Now you know. Do it anyway. Don't be stopped by fear. Right? So we have Paul's template for sharing the gospel so far. He says, don't try to impress he says, focus on Jesus. Don't be stopped by fear. And then he has this last point, lead the results to God. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The power is not in your ability to speak. The power is not in your ability to share the gospel. The power is not in how, how fluent you are or how well you've got your points down, or how quickly you can flip in your Bible and show the person what you're saying is true, which are all great things. But the power is in the message. The power is in God. The power is in the Spirit. And, and, and so we read this. He says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. And don't be misled by what that phrase demonstration of spirit and of power means because you might mean you have to be showing miracles and signs and wonders and that kind of power and Paul certainly was on occasion a miracle worker but I do not think that is at all the kind of power he is talking about here I think he is talking about the power of persuasion the power of conviction I remember when I realized I needed Jesus and I'd been hearing about Jesus my whole life. I went to eight years of Catholic school. I, I would say grade school, but it was grade school and middle school. Uh, no kindergarten for me. <laughs> they probably said, no, we don't want him. <laughs> uh, but uh, eight years of Catholic school. I heard about Jesus all my life. I never had a concept of, of needing him, right? Uh, people used to come up to me on the street and witness to me for some reason. I worked at, at uh, Kavanaugh's River Inn, or in at the park. Anybody remember Kavanaugh's? Okay, uh, I, I was a, a dishwasher at Kavanaugh's. And there was a security guy who would come back and start witnessing to me. And I'm going, I can't leave. <laughs> you know, I got this big pile of dishes. I always walk in and there's a big pile of dishes waiting for me. And I was busy the whole time I was there washing dishes because I wasn't really fast. <laughs> you know, I was good, I never stopped, but I wasn't fast. And I never caught up. And I was, always, I was this captive audience there. And this guy would come back and witness to me. And I'm like, would you just leave me alone? <laughs> you know, but, but he, he, just, he would. For whatever reason, he did it regularly. I, I, but it didn't, it didn't hit me. It was like, why are you sharing the gospel with me? I don't need this. I don't want this. I'm not interested in this. Could you talk about something? He also did hot air balloons. Why don't you talk about that more? I'm interested in that. <laughs> right? But, but he, talked, he talked about, he, he was always coming back and sharing. You go, wow, awesome guy. But it didn't hit me. But I remember when it hit me. Is I had, it's like I was drowning in conviction. All of a sudden, I was drowning in conviction, and I knew I needed Jesus Christ, and there was no escape. <laughs> I, I, I just absolutely was, was hit with the conviction and the knowledge that this was real. I, I don't know your experience. We all have different experiences. I hope, I hope at least some of you have had an experience like mine, because it was just it was an inescapable conviction. 
right? What do we see here? It says, my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of, power, of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That was the Spirit and power of God. And there was no sign. There was no miracle. There was no, no flash bang. But the power, the Spirit and power of God were present in a way that the conviction was real and inescapable. I don't remember what the guy said. I remember he used the Bible. Well, what I do remember is the absolute conviction I had that I needed Jesus Christ. His message was not in power. It was not, I mean, it was not in, not in wisdom. It was not in, not in influenced speech. It was, it was a simple gospel, and I rec- experienced the power and conviction of the Spirit. Persuasive words are fine. Uh, and there, and it, by the way, it's biblical. I, I was talking with a young man once. Uh, he was uh, in a situation where he was to preach, and he was skeptical about piling it on. <laughs> in other situations, this is not where, where I do my evangelistic preaching normally, because you're saved people, and some of you may not be. If you're not, then I hope God is piling it on, and you're feeling that conviction, uh, because God can do that whether it's my intent or not and I hope he is. Uh, this is where I do preaching for believers to be better, to have a better walk with Christ, to obey Christ better, to walk with him better. Um, but but it, there are those situations like at camp or other places, jail, things where you, your goal is very clearly to be, to share the gospel, the, the message, the event. And this guy was hesitant about the, the piling it on thing. But if you look at, I mentioned, I referred to the, the first sermon or the first you know, Pentecost, when, when the, the church was first planted, and they went out into the uh, street gather, or preaching. And uh, I took him to that same passage. Um, Peter's preaching. People are coming in, starting at verse 37 of cha- Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, And the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off and as many as the Lord will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, be saved from this crooked generation. And we find Peter... kept up the pressure. Peter kept going with many other words. He exhorted them, saying, repent and come to Christ. Right? There's nothing wrong with being as persuasive as we know how to do. It's biblical to do that. Godly wisdom and knowledge are great and won't hurt, but the power of salvation is God's. It is God's. It is not ours. We do not have the ability to compel anybody to believe anything. You know, we we have the ability to bring water to the horse, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, hopefully we can give them some salt (laughs) while we're there. Uh, But the results are up to God. It is God who does the thing, uh, does does the, the transaction. It's the old, old story. The gospel hasn't changed. And it's very simple. And it's not dependent on how well we express it, but on God who gives it power. And this is Paul's testimony about the gospel. He, shared, he shares what worked for him there, and they are the proof that it worked for him there. And he wrote it down, and God kept this word for us today. It is the proof of what works today still. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just going to say, by the way, if you're that small percent that we vultures are praying for, 
Jesus Christ died to save you. This cross is, is, is in a church, a, 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 a cross in a church is also decorative. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the one absolutely essential thing up front here, is the cross. Because it points to Jesus Christ. It's not up there because it's a decoration. It's up there because it points to Jesus Christ, because it reminds us of what he did. He paid the price of your sins on the cross. When he died, his blood was not shed as an example. Now, it is an example of faithfulness. He was an example to many martyrs, but that is not why he died on the cross. He died on the cross because he was paying the punishment that you and I deserve. And if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, your punishment is paid for. And if you do not, then that punishment is waiting for you, and there is no escape from it. You don't get to, to, to someday die and buy that pay for your own sins. You don't have the ability you don't have the ability to pay for your own sins. Jesus Christ did that. That's why we call him Savior, because he saves us. Because as I said before, hell is real. Uh, I have a little time. Someone was upset at me the other day. I finished too early. <laughs> but what I have to say, I'll tell you, is, is not funny at all. Because my mom died not a Christian. And I desperately wanted to not believe in hell. And I went to the Bible trying to prove or find an escape from hell. And I could not find it. Bottom line is, if you are honestly looking at Scripture, hell is real. We don't, hell is not a doctrine made up by people, okay? People did not make up hell and read it into the Bible. People read hell out of the Bible. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is your end. That is where you are heading towards, without an escape except for Jesus Christ. And I say that, if you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, do so. Don't wait. Don't say, I have to wait until I put away smoking or drinking or whatever other thing you're doing. Don't say, no, I have to be good enough. Don't say, no, I have this one bad thing I want to do once more. <laughs> don't play games with it. Jesus Christ, don't think that he won't accept you. He already died for you. Arms open wide, symbolically as well as literally. To take you in. Don't put it off. Take Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because that's what he wants to do, and it's what you need. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you know how desperately we need you. Lord Jesus, we need you as our Savior. I ask for anyone here, Lord, who has not trusted you as Savior, that you would, you would pile on that conviction. Not, not necessarily in the sense of guilt, but in the sense of the knowledge that you are real and that they need you. And let that be their gift today. And if you are feeling that conviction now, I ask you, please respond in faith. Accept the gift that Jesus gives. Thank you for what you do for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.